Hello and welcome to the Belmont Journal, your source for hyperlocal news and community updates. I'm Mike Crowley, your host this week. First, a quick request. Belmont's nonprofit student robotics team is asking for your help to find a thousand square feet or more of space for a year-round location for building and testing a robot as well as storing their equipment. They're also planning to use the space to host several robotic-themed events and STEM activities. The space will be used during the afternoon and evening during the week and on weekends. Every dollar spent by the robotics team is raised through student fundraising, so any donated, discounted, or inexpensive space would be greatly appreciated. For more information, please contact JJ Rohr at 617-398-0601, or you can email robots at Rohr.org. That's Rohr spelled R-O-H-R-E-R. Thanks so much. Belmont has a new high-tech startup. It's eGreen LLC, a new lighting company. The company's first product is a lamp that will allow you to change lighting intensity and color from your smartphone. Here's more. Okay. Turn on light. Cool. When I was a kid, I lived with, uh, with my grandparents in a small village in China. At that time, we didn't have electricity. So going from place to place at night, we carry our kerosene lamp, which is dangerous. When we finally got electricity, uh, some years later, my favorite task is to turn on the light. And I was fascinated by lighting, and I wanted to, to design a light when I grew up. Uh, years later, I came to the United States and I uh, finished my college here and started working at, uh, at Raytheon and I work on beam steering. Uh, by beam steering, I mean you move the light beams without moving the light source. So I thought that was cool. I decided to start eGreen with my co-founder in 2012. We fired the patent and uh, the color looks beautiful. It's amazingly beautiful. It just looked like the, the, uh, a color painting from a museum. And I was, I was so fascinated. And I immediately I saw the opportunity. We decided to focus on this color mixing light. Today we called it a prism. So inside the light, there are three LEDs, uh, color LEDs, RGB. There's uh, uh, the angular uh, space. That's why you see so many colors you know, at the same time. We are using a, an app we, on our smartphone to control the light. There's a, there's a Bluetooth in the light, and you can adjust the, uh, the color of the light. In the new design, we have switches allow you to, to do it manually, as well as you know, remotely. In the, in the near future, we also, you are you're able to speak to to the to light as well. Currently, we have two uh, prototypes, uh, and we we also design a light for outdoor light. We are going to do our we're going to launch our uh, first product in uh, in August September timeframe online uh, platform called Indiegogo. 
From there, people can pre-order the product, and uh, we would you know expect to deliver in like a, a few months later. Welcome to this week in the Citizen Herald, and I'm joined by Joanna Juvelis, senior multimedia editor with the Citizen Herald and Wicked Local Belmont online. How are you, Joanna? Wonderful, Mike. How are you? I'm fine. So, so we have some news this week. What a surprise! Well, there's always news in Belmont, um, and it is sad news. Unfortunately, there was a golden retriever that was left in a car for six hours. That, that is sad news. And the person responsible for the dog, when he realized the dog was in the car, still he found the dog in distress, and they he called 911. Police came, the animal control officer came, and they transported the dog to a vet where he was, he died so, so the of dog, heat stroke. He, he didn't make it. Um, no. The, the, the individual in, involved, um, what's happened with him? He is, um, they, they filed criminal complaint mm -hmm. uh, for animal cruelty against him, so he'll be facing those charges. And the animal control officer just wants to remind everyone that you should never leave a pet in a car unattended and it, it is against the law. Right. And even if the car was running with the AC on, that is still against okay. the law. You should never even have an idling car. Well, that's good to know, and a very sad case. Yes. Um, so let's, let's talk about um, the high school. So sure. it's, it's construction has begun. Yes. But decisions are still being made about of some of the, the of details. Decisions. Interior colors, mm -hmm. interior finishes, the exterior brick they're deciding on, mm -hmm. and they had like five panels of different brick brick options, mm -hmm. and they were looking at them. And they're still they're going to have yeah. another. Now, did they actually decide on? No, oh, okay. they're going to get more samples. What they do know is they don't want it to be too orange, mm -hmm. and they do like some difference of color, but they don't like the dark brick. They okay. want to do something in between, maybe a brownish brick. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see <laughs> okay. what they decide. Okay. And the other, oh, I'm sorry, next question. <laughs> no, so, so, so th they have a number of decisions to make. And, and I understand that, that you know, there's been some, some lobbying on the part of some parents for an orchestra pit. Yes. Which was left out of the, the design. That's right. The design um, did not have an orchestra pit. And mm -hmm. that was because they figured, well, there isn't an orchestra pit now. So why would we put an orchestra pit in the new high school? <laughs> but but one um, of the committee members actually went out and sort of did a survey yes, looking at area high schools. Right, and found that most of them do have orchestra pits. So this kind of opened the eyes of the Belmont High School committee, building committee to say, okay, let's look into options with pits. And there's there's a few different options. Mm -hmm. There's a, like you can have what's called like a permanent pit, which mm -hmm. is always there and not covered. Then there's options where you, they, they have like an automatic lift okay. so that it can become a floor when it needs to be in different heights. And then there's other, uh, there's things that you can buy to mm -hmm. like put in there when you're not using it as a pit. So they're gonna look at like four different options. But, but one issue apparently, it, you know, the, the, pit, the orchestra pit couldn't be placed too low because, because the, the water, water table. table. <laughs> right. But as it is now, the argument was we want the same or better for the new high school. And mm -hmm. this was not technically the same because where they were going to put the orchestra pit was right in the middle. Okay. And it would affect people's sight lines. The noise would affect the audience, you know, the sound, everything. So, so no final decision, but, but it's sort of back on the table. Yes, All right. I do think that you know parents may get what they want. We'll see. 
Okay, and so um, do we also have a quick update on I the, sta quick the stabbing? Update. Yes, he is a Chelsea resident, mm -hmm. a uh, Hector Romero. I thought that he was a Belmont resident, that's what I was told, but he okay. is indeed a Chelsea resident. He also, the woman that was stabbed uh, last week was his wife. This was on wife. Partridge Lane. Yes, on Partridge Lane. He was, it was his wife and she is a nanny mm -hmm. at a home on that street and this occurred outside the home as right. she was arriving at work. He must have followed her and, and attacked her. So he is being held without bail, and there will be another hearing on August 19th. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Joanna, and we'll talk to you in a month. Mm -hmm. Rock Meadow is home to a variety of plants, abundant wildlife, and diverse microclimates. The Rock Meadow Master Plan gives us a roadmap to help guide our enjoyment of this unique resource and to help guide conservation efforts. David Webster meets with Jeffrey North of Belmont's Conservation Commission and Sam, Sam Friedman, co-author of the Master Plan. Rock Meadow is a rare conservation parcel in that it is 77 acres within miles, several miles of Boston. And right on the edge of Belmont, this is a treasure. This is a resource the likes of which most towns don't have. About a year ago, the Conservation Commission in Belmont embarked on a master plan to give us a design and, and a roadmap for the enhancement of this property for the next 10 years and beyond. One thing that we'd like to bring in is more educational signage that will inform people that are walking on the paths the uh, ecological significance of the things that they're viewing, as well as the history of this property. The most popular uses here at Rock Meadow are dog walking, uh, mountain biking, people tending their gardens here at the Victory Gardens, uh, as well as birding. First priority for the master plan um, was and is uh, renovating the parking lot. Priority there is to repave it and regrade it uh, filtering water into bioswales um, and rain gardens and getting some of the accumulated rainwater off of the lot along with more delineated parking spaces and a, a, a more beautiful entrance. We have plans for invasive species management that are part and parcel of the master plan but not dependent upon the master plan. We're proceeding with that as it's as a separate CPA funded Community Preservation Act funded initiative. So the funding for the master plan and the funding for the initiatives that are set up here at Rock Meadow, we're going to get creative. Now the Conservation Commission doesn't have a budget and the uh, invasive species removal is being paid for with Community Preservation Act funds. The master plan was uh, paid for with the generous grant from the Judy Record Foundation. There'll be other efforts like that where we'll look to fund through creative means. The vision for Rock Meadow is to have this space serve the visitors even better in 10 years than it does today. This is a jewel. This is a ecological treasure. Welcome to This Week in the Belmontonian, and I'm joined by Franklin Tucker, editor of the Belmontonian. How are you, Franklin? Just fine, thank you. 
it's it's a little bit warm. It, it's been a hot summer. It's been a hot summer. So, in addition to the heat, do we have any other news? Yeah. So there's actually been a, a, a um, some movement in terms of uh, uh, youth sports and uh, athletic fields okay. and. Um, uh, what we had is uh, on Tuesday of this week, uh, there were two meetings uh, at uh, the Beach Street Center where the okay. Recreation Commission was listening to a request by Belmont Youth Soccer to um, uh, use field lights, mm -hmm. uh, temporary lights, uh, uh, a set of four for each field um, at Winbrook and at PQ. Okay. And the reason was is because of the unintended consequences of the new high school building. If, if, you, if you looked at the high school, if you look, looked around the high school recently, some of those fields have disappeared. They, they're long gone, <laughs> just a pile of dirt. And that has caused the athletic teams to look for other places, meaning the, uh, like the girls field hockey will be going to um, uh, Winbrook and uh -huh. uh, uh, girls soccer will be at the Grove Street and places like that. So all the teams will be spursed, uh, mm -hmm. put out. Now what that does is it has pushed back uh, Belmont Youth Soccer, you know, the kids, there's there's 1,500 kids who play in the, in the okay. league from anywhere kindergarten all the way to eighth grade. Now they've, they've basically been pushed back an hour and a half um, until about 5.30 because the high school sports team have those fields until five o'clock. Okay. So, they're asking uh, permission that uh, lights can go up into um, uh, those fields. Now, now, who would pay for those lights? It would be Belmont Youth Soccer. I mean, okay. it's it's all that, but it's it's the permission. And what happened uh, last night is that uh, many of the residents were had, uh, you know, ver very on honest concerns. I mean, mm -hmm. they're wondering because what was being requested it was diesel engine, e diesel oh, powered lights. Mm -hmm. Very li what, what people said that it was going to be loud. It's going to be. It's going to be inconsiderate in terms of uh, putting diesel uh, fumes in the air. But it's also a situation where they're saying, you know, going until 8.30 at night is kind of, it kind of ruins the feel of a neighborhood. Uh, they, they, they would want to have that neighborhood feel. They already say that they, they have these sports teams come out there uh, throughout the year, you know, both uh -huh. the spring and the fall. Uh, so they're wondering um, if this was a little too much. Well, so are there any alternatives to, to uh, diesel-powered lights? Yes, it, it turns out there is. Now, the uh, Rec Commission um, heard, all, uh, heard everything last mm -hmm. night, and, and they are going to uh, uh, bring that permit to the uh, select board with an, uh, with an approval. They, mm -hmm. they, they feel that, that it can be done. But there are some conditions to that. Number one, the lights cannot be run by a, a diesel engine. It okay. has to be either solar or electrical power. And, it, and they also thought that um, it would be too much usage on, on one field, on a couple of fields. So they're going to request that the select board begin a discussion of, of basically taking the youth soccer and going from one field in one year uh, uh -huh. at, at Winbrook and at PQ, and then alternating each, each year for the next uh, five years when the, okay. when the fields are going to be done, and that would be, um, and those other fields would be uh, Town Field and uh, Grove Street. So to, to lessen some of the impact on, I mean, on these are, the affected neighborhoods. These are uh, uh, not only that, but it, uh, the fields need to be uh, need to uh, to be fallow for oh, a little bit sure. so the grass can grow again. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it, apparently that would be a bit of a compromise because the residents really f felt that uh, of all the, of all the um, 
uh, challenges this this would bring. Uh, it certainly would be the fumes and uh, the noise that would be the worst. So we 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 would need a select board decision on on that. That's and, right. And and then, um, and and then there 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 are indeed alternatives to the the, the diesel lights that that would that the the rec commission. I'm sorry that the uh, Belmont Youth Belmont, Soccer Belmont would, Youth Soccer would be able to obtain. That's right. Okay. All right, well, that, that sounds good, and um, um, we'll talk again in a month. That's right. <laughs> we're, have, we're, we're like the French. We're going to be off for August. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Franklin. In June, Belmont partnered with police departments in Arlington, Cambridge, Newton, and Watertown on a program to reduce the number of unwanted firearms. In total, the gun buyback program uh, yielded 120 guns that were turned into police, including one that was loaded. Chet Messer talks with Belmont's police chief, Richard McLaughlin, about the program. This recent, most recent one, uh, in, with, there were four different locations in June, on each Saturday of June, at a different one. Cambridge was one location, Watertown, Newton, uh, and, uh, and it was all uh, collaborated with the sheriff's department, uh, because if there's no, uh, not a need for to have the firearm in the house, then you know what? We can we can take care of it for you. There's laws that govern the process. A big part of this program too is you don't have to show identification. You come in as long as it, this is the time. You come within the, that time frame, and you turn it in. No questions asked. We're just going to take it, make sure it's safe, and then destroy it. Is when we take in a firearm. What we do is we get through the national databases. If anything is utilized, uh, lost or stolen, or used in a crime that we can pinpoint, that's why we're doing this. I believe it was the four, 2014 gun buyback. We d discovered one of the weapons that was turned in was actually stolen from a house down in Houston in 1972. So what we did is we had uh, we con recontacted Houston PD, asked them to verify that this was still an open case, and uh, we told them we have the firearm, and uh, that we would send it back, so that they could either return it to the owner or they could close out that case that the weapon has been identified and it's been located. What we do is we make a list of each firearm, the serial number, the description, and then. We contact the state police. State police destroys it. Very happy we can provide the service to the community and obviously very happy that we have our collaborative partners within, as I said, the other communities surrounding us and also uh, the Sheriff's Department who has been always very available and helpful in these, in the state police, obviously, because we wouldn't be able to do what we do unless we were able to get them receive the firearms and then get them destroyed. Janice Shupak Frischkoff is legally blind, but she's also an artist who creates original art with colored pencil and black ink. And she's been doing this for 10 years. Joanna Jubilis has the story. I was diagnosed at birth. I'm an albino, although I have color. There are different types of albinos. And so that my eyes are albino eyes. It means that I have no depth perception and I don't see distances.
but what it enables me to do is I can pick up color and texture. What I do in this room is I've been um, making designs for many, many years, and I've been selling them as original pieces of art. They were colored pencil and black ink. And then I got the idea to make cards. And so in this room, I actually uh, start my designs uh, from scratch. There's a bl blank piece of paper. I think what I want to do. Trees are my favorite thing, so I'm always doing trees. And I start laying out color with colored pencil. And I just let let my mind go and uh, the designs balance themselves actually. After I get all the color laid out, I start to put the black pen on them, the pen and ink. And when I'm finished, I know I'm finished when my colors start to dance, when the, when the picture dances for me. I will me. be officially 10 in October. Not exactly sure what date in October, but um, that would, this business will be 10 years old. And it's very exciting because okay. I started with six cards and I now have 48 cards. This mm. will be 49 and I have all these products. It just started with six cards. I pounded the pavement, knocking on place, places. And the place that gave me my wonderful start was Artitudes in West Newton Center, uh, Artitudes Gallery. And Greg, who owns that gallery, love my work and encourage me to just stick with it and continue. So I'm indebted to him and that store for really pushing me to continue. And um, he was great. And I, I just will always give him, if I have something, I show it to him first. Now it's time for our community calendar with Jane Peters of all the things that are interesting and happening in Belmont this week. Hi everyone, I'm Jane and this is your community calendar for next week. Listen to stories about art and the classic storybook characters portrayed in the Belmont Gallery of Arts My Sister and Me, Me and My Brother exhibit in the Belmont Gallery of Arts first ever joint story time with the Belmont Public Library on Monday at 3 p.m. at the Gallery of Art. Learn how works of art and books can come together to tell us stories that we love at this event for ages 2 to 6. Be amazed when a mad scientist visits the Belmont Public Library on Tuesday at 6. Defy gravity and witness amazing chemical reactions and fun physics. This presentation is for children ages 5 and up. Learn how switching to air source, heat pumps, and driving electric vehicles can mutually benefit you and Belmont Light at the Heat Pump and Electric Vehicle Showcase at Chenery on Wednesday from 4 to 8. Learn more at belmontlight.com. The Loved Child combines children's love of stories with their need to move their bodies in their free TLC Wednesdays Yoga Storytime class on Wednesday at 4. This class is intended for toddlers through preschool aged children and a caregiver. You can register on thelovedchild.net. Tune in to Nature with Groundwork Yoga and Wellness with their free Yoga in the Park class on Wednesday at 6.30. This mindful, slow-flow vinyasa yoga takes place at Beaverbrook Reservation and is open to everyone. Visit groundworkwellness.com for more information and to register. Explore amazing photos from the Hubble Space Telescope with Allrich astrophotographer Kevin Boucher on Wednesday at 7. This program will allow you to see many of the wonders of our universe. 
Potterheads can test their knowledge at Belmont Books Harry Potter Trivia Night on Thursday at 6. Celebrate the birthday of the boy who lived by showing off your knowledge of the wizarding world to win prizes. Tickets are available at belmontbooks.com. The Belmont Dramatic Club will present Agatha Christie's The Stranger in November. Auditions for the cast will be held on Tuesday, August 6th and Thursday, August 8th from 7 to 9 at the Payson Park Church. A headshot and resume are required, as well as a one to one and a half minute monologue. Cold readings and some improv will be required at the audition. And registration is open for the Foundation for Belmont Education's Apple Run, formerly known as the Dan Sharfman Run. The 5K race takes place on October 6th, but you can get a head start on race day with the Couch to 5K program, a six-week email and group training program with race co-director and ultra-marathoner Scott DeDeo. The program provides daily workouts and periodic group training runs that will get you walking, then running at a pace that's right for you. Learn more and register now at fbe-belmont.org run. And that's all for next week. If you'd like your event featured in Belmont Journal's community calendar, you can send your event info to jane at belmontmedia.org. The Belmont Journal will be taking a production break during the month of August. Next week, we'll have a special Belmont Journal for you about the Local Voices Network. And then during the rest of the month, we'll be running a selection of special Belmont Journal shows then we'll be back with our regular show in September. Until then, I'm Mike Crowley. This is the Belmont Journal, and we'll see you soon. Stay cool.